You have what some would consider to be the greatest job in the world. Others, though, would only see the pressure and the win or bust vibe that will surround your team all season long. You need to navigate your way each day through injuries, the toughest group of media in the sport, not to mention the team on the other side of the field. And you never managed or even coached before you got this job. You are the manager of the New York Yankees. You know, I understand what I signed up for. That's certainly part of being here. What is each day like when you know win or lose, good or bad, your job is to get up tomorrow and do it all over again? I'm Dan Schulman, and this is a swing and a belt. By three, as Boone hits it to deep left, that might send the Yankees to the World Series. Our guest on our first episode this season is Aaron Boone. One disclaimer, this interview was conducted just before the news broke that two Monday night games, including the Yankees game, were being canceled due to the Marlins coronavirus outbreak. But there's still a lot of good stuff here, as Boone gives us a peek behind the curtain at what it's like to manage one of the most iconic franchises in sports. Aaron Boone grew up in a baseball family. His grandfather, Ray, played in the major leagues. His dad, Bob, played in the major leagues. His older brother, Brett. And, of course, Aaron himself enjoyed a 13-year career, mostly with Cincinnati. He was an all-star with the Reds, also played with Cleveland and a number of other teams, including, of course, the New York Yankees, perhaps for whom he is best remembered for hitting an ALCS winning home run back in 2003. Aaron then went on to a very successful career broadcasting with ESPN, Full disclosure, we worked together there for many, many years and have kept in touch. And now, of course, he is the manager of the New York Yankees. Aaron, you are the leadoff hitter for this year's season of A Swing and a Bell. Thanks for joining me today. Wow, I better be patient. I need an on-base percentage to get you going. Yes, we need some other people to see some pitches. So just do what you're supposed to do here today. <laughs> Appreciate your time, my friend, as always. You won 100 and 103 games in your first two seasons. I don't have to tell you this. You know that. I mean, that is historically good. Yet it's New York, and there's pressure, and it's the Yankees, and win a World Series. And the pressure always feels like it's on from the outside looking in. Is that how it is on the inside? No, it's not to the level, you know, I have many close friends, you know, from afar and I moved from the West Coast back East when I got this job. So a lot of my friends, I find people oftentimes don't want to bother me because they know I'm under a lot of pressure and stress and all that. And look, there's certainly pressure that comes with the job, but it's never been suffocating to me or never been overwhelming and never been really something that I don't really enjoy and embrace. We have huge expectations here, you know, every year, but especially now with, you know, the kind of team and club we've had and the kind of recent success without, you know, climbing all the way to the top of the mountain. So that goes with the territory. And, and when I came into this, I certainly, you know, understood those expectations, but it's something that I've honestly enjoyed every day. And it's, it's one of the things that I've I love about baseball, the grind of the season, the challenges of it, the ups and downs. As a player, I always try to enjoy as much as you can the tougher days and the struggles. And I try and do that now as I sit in this seat as manager. 
So as we worked together for years, I saw you at the ballpark, albeit, of course, in a different role. Knew you a little bit when you were a player and have seen you a lot away from the ballpark. So I know what Aaron Boone is like. When you're away from the ballpark now as manager of the Yankees, can you turn your brain off and just be Aaron Boone? Sometimes, you know, it, it kind of depends. You know, my brain, fortunately or unfortunately, baseball takes up a lot of it, whether I'm the manager, whether I was a player, whether it's the off season. You know, baseball is what I've lived and known and is the livelihood really of me and my family my entire life. So it's always on. But I love that. And, uh, you know, there's days when, you know, we're, we're going through a tough little stretch or you're worried about a particular player or, you know, how you're going to get through these next couple of days from a pitching standpoint. So those things dominate you and consume you a little bit. But, you know, I've got a big family at home that have a lot of things going on. So I try to be as present as I possibly can when when I am at home. And even my wife would tell you I'm decent at going home and, and not taking the games home with me to an overwhelming degree. Is decent a compliment or is decent like is decent have the low end of the bar? Does she want you to raise decent up to better? <laughs> We'd have to ask her, but I think I've always done a pretty good job of that. <laughs> I don't know if you want to answer this one, but I'm going to ask it anyways. You talked about getting to the top of the mountain, and you got close each of your first two years. Mm -hmm. How long did it take you personally to get over the playoffs, just to try to put it in a little box and put it away and and get your energy back where you want it to be? Last year was was tougher, you know, losing the way we did in Houston. And just the the season that we had, even up till the, the last pitch, you know, even though we were down in the series, I never felt like we were not going to win. And it was just a special group that we had last year. And I just felt like, yeah, we were talented, but we had such a special makeup. And I still feel that way about our guys now that the ending was, was really cruel and frankly, really difficult. So I actually thought it would take me a long time to get over. I would say the pain and the sting just, just, stuck with me for a bit but I'm able to get on with it because there's here comes the off season and here comes things to start to dive into and uh, where we move to next and that kind of what's ahead kind of fuels you and and keeps you going so I thought it was going to take a while frankly last year and the sting and the pain was there for a bit but I was able to get on to getting ready for this season fairly quickly. You and I were working together. We were covering the playoffs for ESPN Radio as we did every October. And it was, what, 2017. And you were starting to get the itch to maybe get back into baseball. We would talk about it when we would go to the ballpark or whatever we would do uh, before the game. And I could see the excitement that was building because not only were you getting the itch, but teams were reaching out to you. Multiple teams were reaching out to you. Hey, would you maybe be interested in this? Maybe be interested in that? And then, of course... A little bit later on was when the Yankee thing came along and kind of blew all the other things out of the water and you interview and you get the job. Like, I wouldn't even say the job of your dreams. I mean, in the moment, it would have to be beyond the job of your dreams because you had not coached or managed at that point. What is the best part of the job? I mean, when you sit down, and I know you would do this humbly, but when you sit down and say, I'm the manager of the New York Yankees, like, what is the best part about being the manager of the New York Yankees? Um, seven o'clock in the game and the competition with guys that are not only really good players, but a lot of guys that I really respect. And then the people 
up and down that I get to work with. I mean, that's been, I think the thing that's been the most eye-opening and satisfying for me is that, you know, I love the relationship I have with Brian Cashman in the front office. I get to work for an, an ownership and Hal Steinbrenner and the Steinbrenner family that's really supportive and and great to work for. And I've become really close with all my coaches and the rest of our staff. And it's the group of people that I love and that I love to get to go to work with every day. That's a real blessing to be able to go to a place of work where you really enjoy all the people you're going to interact with and collaborate with and, you know, try and chase a, a championship with. You know, I don't take that for granted, and I feel very fortunate to to get to work with a lot of a lot of really great people. Because there's days when the job's hard and difficult, and there's challenges, and you want to be at a place where on those days you're doing it with people you really care about. And as we sit here today and speak, there obviously baseball in the entire world is going through a very unique challenge and difficulty right now with COVID. The Marlins have had an outbreak. Every single team has been touched. It obviously has impacted the sport to a tremendous extent. How much is COVID making your day-to-day job different or more complicated? Um, it's different. It's it's definitely more complicated. But, you know, I also feel like whether it's Major League Baseball, the Yankees, you know, I, I haven't felt like we haven't been able to f- properly focus on baseball and we haven't been able to get the proper work in. So that's been a really good thing. There's just different, obviously, challenges and and things you got to experience and go through every single day that, you know, on a daily basis can get a little tedious. And, but I think everyone by and large understands, you know, that kind of falls under the definition of playing during a pandemic. So I think most guys are very much happy to go through the necessary protocols each and every day. And, but I've been really pleased and I give a lot of credit to our staff and the Yankees for making it as seamless and as good experience as possible. And so, so far, you know, obviously with the news breaking today of the, of the Marlins outbreak that creates some new challenges. And, and I'm sure when I get off here, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot to go through. I mentioned the fact that you're part of a, a three generation major league family, extremely rare. There have been only a handful of those families. I know you know, how much you love to talk about your grandpa and your dad goes without saying, and and you and Brett both had terrific careers. Brett has a son, Jake, who has played for three years at Princeton and Jake's life was impacted by the coronavirus, significantly impacted because he likely would have been drafted this year had there been a longer draft, but when it was shortened to five rounds, his name didn't come up. Within the family, not to put pressure on Jake, but for you and Brett and your dad, you know, how exciting would it be if Jake wound up making it to the major leagues? Is this a big conversation thing? And what is Jake doing right now because he wasn't able to get drafted this year? To us, it's less about the fourth generation. And we just be thrilled for Jake because we know how important baseball is to him and has been his entire life and how much he loves to play the game. And this year's draft, you know, I kind of get the feeling that he was probably a, a top 10 round pick which obviously um, hurt him this year, <laughs> and, and ultimately he didn't get drafted. And he was set to go play in Cape Cod this summer. That league got shut down. So he, he's actually playing in Virginia in a summer league 
I don't know the name of the league. He played there last year in Peninsula. And he's having a really good summer there, playing a number of games. I still think there's actually even a chance he may sign as a free agent, just with all the uncertainty. But at the end of the day, for Jake, I mean, this is a special kid, man. He's a great kid with whatever he goes into. And and I know for him, he would love to be a major league player. And, you know, he may have that opportunity. But I know whatever Jake decides to do, this is this is a guy that's going to Princeton that just has a great head on his shoulders that is a great kid and however it ends up for him i know he's going to turn out and and be a successful guy moving forward that's very cool you must be his favorite uncle with the way you talk about him are you the favorite (laughs) i don't know about that but uh he's a neat kid man he really is all right i'm not a big rapid fire guy but i decided i wanted to do it with you and it's my podcast so this is what we're going to do i'm going to fire some rapid questions at you here to to close it out you game you up for that Okay. Let's go. Your favorite baseball player other than your dad when you were a kid? Bake McBride. Bake McBride. That's very cool. So Phillies fan. You bounced around a little bit, and and I think of you more as California, but your dad was a Philly, so you were a Phillies fan as a little kid. But 80s, I was Molitor, Puckett, Larkin. Wow. Yeah. Don't be afraid to pick a non-Hall of Famer at some point, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. Front runner. Favorite athlete, non-baseball. As a kid. Mo Cheeks. Mo Cheeks. I knew the answer. That. 76ers. Best teammate you ever had in the major leagues and why? Mike Cameron. Ooh. How come? I had a lot of great teammates and a lot of close friends, but Mike Cameron is always my go-to answer there. You know, in the 162-game season, you want guys that bring a certain energy to the field every day, and if it can rub off on others – even better. And when I say energy, I don't mean a guy's just outlandish and crazy or, you know, not like that, but just there's an edge and energy and Cam just, he was the total package. He was, he was energetic. He was a really good player. He connected with everyone on the team, wherever you were from, you kind of had a connection. He was hilarious on the, on the mic, on the bus. When we get into a city, his presence Aside from his play on the field, I felt like made us a better team. Very cool. A movie or a TV show that you love that would surprise people? Um, well, until f- Netflix took Friends away from me, um, <laughs> I watched Friends almost every night of the Major League Baseball season when I'm in bed. That's what I I fall asleep to on my iPad. I appreciate your honesty because that was the answer <laughs> I was looking for. <laughs> what are your dog's names and why? We have a French Mastiff and her name is Taylor Swift. <laughs> um, and we have a black English lab and his name is Bumper. What's the name, the reason behind Bumper? Well, I've always, for whatever reason, Thought one day when I was a kid, I, I, there was this lab I knew that his name was Bumper. And I thought at some point when I got older, I was going to have a dog named Bumper. And I actually got him at the Barrett Jackson Auto Show in Scottsdale, Arizona. So I thought it was kind of fitting to have my lab Bumper at a car show for, you know, the Bumper. <laughs> That's good. I get it. I get it. Last rapid fire question. Something that you are just absolutely terrified of something that scares you beyond belief snakes snakes really okay well then arizona was an excellent place for you to live for so many years because you know there are hardly any snakes there 
that was the one issue. No question. But snakes, <laughs> I'm terrified of. <laughs> Aaron, hey, I can't thank you enough for being the first guest this year. I really appreciate it. Great to talk to you. Keep doing what you're doing. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Danny. I'll see you soon, buddy. And that's it for our first episode this season of A Swing and a Bell. Thanks to Aaron Boone for his time and all of his great stories. We hope you join us again on our next episode. And if you like A Swing and a Bell, subscribe and find it wherever you get your podcasts. Lots of great baseball stories coming your way.